Nexus PMG welcomes you to the Bigger Than Us podcast, which we as energy geeks lovingly refer to as the BTU. Bigger Than Us is a podcast that focuses on ideas that will shape the future of our planet and ultimately our existence. We will occasionally lean into energy topics because after all, it's the key to our collective survival, but we'll also explore other ideas and topics that we believe will have an impact that is bigger than us. And now, on to today's show. Hello and welcome to the Bigger Than Us podcast. I'm your host, Raj Daniels, and today I'd like to welcome Viral Hardev to the show. Viral Hardev is VP of Strategy at Ubiquitous Energy. Hardev has over a decade of experience commercializing novel nanomaterials products for the electronics industry. This includes his time at Nanosys Inc., where he led materials and business development and product management. Hardev holds an MBA from the Berkeley Haas School of Business and a bachelor's degree in material science and economics from UCLA. Viral, how are you doing today? Doing very well, Raj. Uh, thanks, thanks for asking. I hope you're doing well and just excited to be here today to, to chat with you a little bit. Viral, I'm very excited to speak with you too. Sounds like a phenomenal technology you guys have at Ubiquitous Energy. Before we do though, and it's my job to do background research on my guests, and I want to start here. You have a certification in, I'm going to say, confident, assertive, and in charge, developing the attitudes of leadership. What inspired you to take that course? Oh, really good question. Um, it's, I think what really inspired me um, really is is around kind of public speaking and, you know, showing confidence in kind of, you know, whatever you're talking about or whatever you're discussing. Um, and, you know, going back to business school, um, you know, you know, one of the mantras we had there was, you know, trying to develop people who are leaders who kind of show that confidence without having a, an, you know, an arrogance or an ego about them. It, it's more of just, you know, be confident in, one, you know, who you are. And then second, that, you know, what you're describing or talking about or educating on, because, because you are, you are, you are an expert in, in kind of what you know. So give us a tip. How do you be confident in who you are? Yeah, really good question. That's, that's a hard one, right? I mean, I think that's, I think that's personal for a lot of people. Um, You know, for some people, it's, it's kind of, you know, doing some kind of routine to hype themselves up, you know, like before, if they're about to take the stage to do something um, or to give a presentation for others, it's just, you know, really practicing the heck out of it. And so, you know, they, they know whatever they're going to talk about or speak about or present about, you know, backwards for, you know, front back, you know, they could do it in their sleep, if you will. Um, for others, it's imagining, you know, um, you know, you know, one of the really old, 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 old things about public speaking was, have fun, you know, imagine your audience is, is sitting there in their underwear, right? So it's, <laughs> you, you know, there could be a number of things, right? But um, I think for me personally, it's just, it's just not being worried of all the things that could potentially go wrong. And, and, you know, I think that's where a lot of people get, get caught up, right? Well, oh, you know, you get so nervous or anxious about, you know, what, what if, right? Um, and, and if you go down that path, you know, that's not going to be a very good path. So it's, again, to me, it's more of just, be confident in yourself and, you know, just have fun with it. I appreciate you sharing that. And I'd like to add one other thing that I've heard also is that if you um, focus on delivering value to the audience, then it shifts the focus from you to them. Yeah, that's a really good one. Now, are you aware that 
Warren Buffett has been asked many times what his best investment ever was. Do you know the answer to that question? I know I've read it, but I don't know off the top of my head. <laughs> he said it was Dale Carnegie training in public speaking. Yeah, that's a good one. That's definitely a good one that I that I've that I've done for sure. I appreciate you sharing that with us. So no I problem. mentioned ubiquitous energy at the beginning of the show. Can you give the audience an overview of ubiquitous energy and your role at the organization? Yeah, no problem. Great. Um, yeah, so Ubiquitous Energy is a is a startup company that spun out of uh, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology (MIT) about a decade ago, and the concept and the vision was was quite simple. It's real. It, it was really to develop and commercialize a transparent solar technology. And you know, when we mean transparent, it's you know virtually invisible. So it's it's something that you can apply to almost any surface. Um, without changing that surface's look or appearance, and so that's that's really what the company is all about. You know, I'm more than happy to to jump into it. Um, of course, in, in, into exactly what we're up to. Um, it's quite exciting. And my role here is I've been with the company for about six years now, and you know, my title is uh, vice president of strategy. But really, for me, what that means is, is is you know really helping to lead our you know efforts in business development and marketing and partnerships. To help get this technology out to the market, I would really appreciate to hear some of the uh, use cases. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so you know, think about think about a, a renewable energy technology that you could apply anywhere that you wouldn't even know was there, but it's giving you that you know that benefit of creating and generating you know clean uh, and renewable energy, um, and that's and that's kind of our our real mission and kind of focus um, with our technology. Again, you know, I referred to it as a transparent solar technology. And so when you think about that, you know, you could start to think about many, many things, right? Um, and, th and they're all things that are that are probably pretty valid, right? In terms of uh, areas or applications uh, where we could apply our technology. So, so I can talk about uh, several of them, right? So, so one right off the bat is, you know, if you look at buildings or homes and you look at the sides of buildings, especially in downtown areas, urban areas where you have, you know, really tall buildings, uh, skyscrapers, right? Most of the time, those are just glass, right? Glass facades, um, as they're called, right? All around the building. Um, so what if we could apply our technology to those surface areas so that, again, it doesn't change the look or appearance or the aesthetic of, the, of that glass or those windows, but now with our technology um, applied to it, we can actually create, you know, renewable energy harvested from sunlight, you know, just in the way similarly as traditional solar panels do. But of course, do it in a way that's non-obtrusive or without impacting uh, aesthetics. So windows is obviously a big one, um, whether it's for commercial buildings, you know, residential buildings, apartment buildings or homes. Um, but then also, you know, other areas where you have windows or glass. Right. So what's, you know, one that comes to mind right away, especially in our day and age with you know autonomous electric vehicles is obviously automotive. You know, so we think we can you know, eventually apply our technology to automotive, you know, to the windshield, to the side lights, to the sunroof, eventually to the body of the car. Again, not taking away or changing the way the design or the look and the feel of the car is or the automobile is, but adding this valid, you know, value added benefit that now we can actually create, you know, renewable energy from the whole surface of the car. So, you know, beyond that, you know, we could think about other devices that we kind of interact with and, 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 and we kind of joke internally and, and we say, you know, 
we want to apply our technology to every surface, right? And so it's like, well, it's not every surface, right? It's not going to be like on the interior of your bathroom floor or anything, right? <laughs> but it's it's surfaces we talk about as surfaces you interact with every day, right? So people look in and out of their window, whether it's at home or their building or their office every day. Most people do get into an automobile at some point, probably every day or every other day or, or pretty frequently. Um, and then what else? You, you know, consumer electronics, right? I mean, who is not literally attached, you know, to their to their mobile devices now, right? I mean, it obviously, obviously, there's a negative side to that, but you know, on the positive side, uh, there's a lot of productivity, you know, we all get from having mobile devices. So, you know, what if we could apply our technology to these mobile devices, whether it's your cell phone, your iPhone, your tablet, your computer, and if you're just sitting outside, you know, getting some nice sunshine. Um, and enjoying yourself, you know, your devices could be trickle charging without you even knowing it with our technology embedded into the glass or the display of those devices. Um, th- there's a lot more. The last one I'll kind of leave you with here is is agriculture, right? Especially as a lot of, you know, work is going on in terms of sustainable food sources and efficient farming and things like this. Getting greenhouses, we believe, to be completely independent in terms of their consumption and need for electricity, potentially with our technology, is an area that you know we're pretty excited about. So you know, by applying our technology to the greenhouse, you can have a greenhouse that literally just operates itself. It doesn't need to be connected to the you know electrical grid or you know get its power from somewhere else. Those are all great use cases, and sounds like you have a huge addressable market. You mentioned earlier your startup. Where have you decided to start out? Which market and why? Yeah, really good question. Um, probably, at, as you know, maybe from some of the discussions you've had and, and, and some of the things I try to preach here, you know, not only at, at our company, but but others that I know is um, is really focusing. And I think that's where your question really is getting to. Um, you know, you're right. We, we have a tremendous opportunity. We believe with our technology, a number of different places we can apply to. Uh, but, you know, we're not naive. You know, we are small. We're not going to be able to do everything all at the same time. So we do got to focus our efforts and kind of where we decided to focus our efforts is really in the window space. Um, so, you know, windows for both residential buildings and for commercial buildings. And there's a couple of reasons we decided to, to, to have that focus. You know, one from a business perspective is that we believe that's probably our largest addressable market segment. When we think about our technology in all these different places, uh, like I've talked about in terms of whether it's agriculture, consumer electronics, automotive or um, windows, or you know, another, another terminology you could use for that is just architectural glass in general. So you know, there's a market and financial uh, part of that decision. The, the other part of that decision is really, we believe that's where our technology can have the biggest impact. And what I mean by that is impact you know, from a global climate perspective in terms of how by incorporating our technology, can we make buildings and homes in general, just much more energy efficient and surfaces that create renewable energy, you know, so helping to offset carbon emissions. Um, Some analysis we've done to give you an example of the impact we could have on buildings alone is that we could offset up to 10% of global carbon emissions just by incorporating our technology into windows that are sold all around the world already. So, So there's the impact and then there's the value, right? There's there's tremendous value, we believe, in integrating our technology into window products that 
is hopefully going to be seamless and convenient, not only for the consumer, but the people who actually do the construction to install and build these buildings and these windows. We believe there's a really big impact we could have there to integrate a technology like ours that is, you know, you could call it new or next generation, but have it made and manufactured in a way that is going to be seamless for that whole customer experience. Um, and then the value on the value side, now that we're able to generate renewable electricity or energy from these window surfaces, you know, we're looking at all kinds of things that, you know, what could you do with that energy? Obviously for, you know, one thing you could do is you could net meter it and send it back to the grid or sell it back to the grid. Um, another thing we think is a little bit more um, intelligent to do at the onset is really you could start to drive other functions and features, you know, right at the window, uh, whether that's, you know, sensors um, or, or other electronic appliances, whether that's a lighting um, and those kind of things. So, you know, we think of our technology as being integrated in a way that not only makes financial sense, makes an impact, uh, you know, for carbon emissions and climate, but also brings this tremendous value to the consumer or the or the owner of the building, whether it's a home or, or a commercial building, again, in terms of making their whole building system operate more efficiently and effectively. Now you mentioned construction earlier. Are you looking to target retrofitting or new build? Yeah, really good question. You know, we will likely target new construction at the very beginning. That said, we are actively exploring ways that we can integrate our technology into existing buildings. As you as you probably know, um, you know, more than half of the market that is out there are buildings that are already there. And, you know, with a pandemic, global construction did take a little bit of a hit, um, you know, but by most forecast and expert predictions, you know, that's that's ex- expected to rebound, right? Um, but that doesn't mean that existing buildings are really going away. Um, you know, I saw some stat the other day that said 90% of the buildings that exist in New York City will still exist in, by the year 2050. So that means you know, anything that we're doing to, to again, make an impact globally with our technology, we're going to have to address this retrofit and renovation market. But again, as a small company, you know, we're not naive, you know, we can't be doing everything all at once. And so we're kind of focusing on that new construction side for the most part, but hopefully quickly following into the retrofit and renovation market. You know, speaking of the number of buildings, I think I've heard recently that they're actually estimating that the number of buildings are set to double in the next 20 to 30 years. That's right. Now, doing some research, I found that from energy consumption standpoint, buildings, three main issues. One is how much glass is on a building. So they call it the glazing ratio. Second is how airtight it is. And third is insulation. So from a glass on the side of the building, and I don't remember the person that said it, but to quote them roughly, it says the best glass performs as about as good as the worst walls. So. <laughs> I thought it was a very interesting comment. How does your glass or your product perform from a, I guess, from an efficiency standpoint? Yeah, really good question. And yeah, there, you know, this, this unfortunately has been a fairly controversial topic, but I think the education is getting out there now that, you know, there's technology that exists with glazing and new windows that the thermal insulation performance side of things is almost as good as like a concrete wall. And, you know, there's the different scientific metrics in terms of U value and R value and those kind of things. But instead of boring your audience, I won't get into that. Um, <laughs> but I will address, you know, the, the, th- the three things that you brought up, right? So the glazing ratio, right? Um, 
So, you know, another way to think about this is, is what most designers and architects call the window to wall ratio. You know, how much of, of your surface of your side of the building is made up of glazing or window or glass area. So there's a ratio, right? So if it's 40% or 50%, that's just amount, how, basically how much amount of glass you have. So the challenge here has been, you know, this, this battle, right? This battle between creating buildings that are energy efficient and then, on the design standpoint, people love glass, right? People love these big buildings that are just 100% uh, glazed or what we call curtain wall um, buildings, which literally the whole side of the building is just glass. So everybody loves the design and look at that. Architects love it. And then you have this uh, this battle about, well, you know, that's probably not the most energy efficient building, right? Um, one of the developers <laughs> jokingly has told me, you know, if I was in the energy, you know, if that's the only thing I cared about, I would just build concrete buildings with no windows. But, you know, there's not <laughs> many people out in the world, you know, joking aside that want to live in such a structure, right? Yeah, um, they're called prisons, I think. Yeah, that's right. So um, so on the glazing ratio side, you know, our technology brings value from a couple of different ways. So let me take a moment here to explain this. Our technology is can be considered like a solar panel, right? So what does a solar panel do? It takes light energy from sunlight, converts some amount of that into useful electricity. And so the kind of weight by the law of physics, you know, that process works is really well understood and known, right? And so there's different things you can do to change that solar panel in, in terms of changing certain materials and things like this uh, to affect performance. So what literally our technology is doing is we're doing the same exact thing, right? We're, we're, our, our technology is transparent in that it's receiving the same amount of sunlight and it's converting some of that into useful electricity. The trick is we're not absorbing what's known as visible light energy to do this. And so that's how we can make our technology look virtually invisible or completely transparent, but it's still effective. And it's effective because it's still absorbing a lot of the light energy that's in the non-visible part of the spectrum, what we kind of typically refer to as ultraviolet light energy and infrared light energy. And so by doing this, we can create a device, again, that's like a solar panel, you know, it's receiving sunlight, it's converting some of that into electricity, but we're on purpose letting transmit or pass through all of that visible light. So to, to me and you and to most humans who see visible color, it looks completely transparent because, you know, we don't see that ultraviolet like birds do and we don't see that infrared like other animals do. And so by by doing this, you know, we're able to create a technology or a window product that looks just like a traditional window. You know, we're not changing the way it looks in terms of aesthetics, color, transparency level. But now that window is, is turning somewhat in from a passive surface into a dynamic surface, you know, we're, we're actually creating an electrically functioning window, right? That's generating renewable energy. At the same time, on the insulation side of things, we're rejecting or inhibiting that ultraviolet light energy and infrared light energy from passing through the window. And that's really important from a thermal optical standpoint um, because everybody can probably relate to this, right? Like if you're sitting in your car and it's sunny outside and you sit there without the AC on, after a certain time, you start to get really hot, right? And what's happening is the infrared light energy from the sunlight is passing right through that glass and hitting you. And after a certain time, it starts to get really uncomfortable. So what the window in the glass industry has done 
they've developed basically what are metal oxide coatings that go right onto the glass that is commonly referred to as low E or low emissivity. And so essentially what they've done is by adding these metal oxide thin layers of coatings onto the glass, they essentially have created an infrared light energy reflector. So instead of that light energy passing through the glass in the window, it basically gets reflected back out to the world. So our technology is doing something similar, but as opposed to reflecting that light energy back out to the world, we're actually capturing it and harnessing it to create you know, uh, usable electricity. So that's how it helps on the insulation side. And then going back to the gl- glazing ratio, you know, we, we've heard from so many designers and architects that you're helping us, you're giving us that design freedom back to create these buildings with more glazing ratio or higher window to wall ratio, which is what we always want to do. But we've been up against it because there's this battle about creating something that's really, really efficient and then limiting how much glass or surface area you could have. So by the combination of, you know, the renewable energy um, and the, the superior thermal insulation standpoint, we're actually able to enable essentially these designers and architects to use more glazing area or glazing surface, increasing the window to wall ratio so that you can actually create, you know, 100% glazed buildings or curtain wall buildings that are highly energy efficient. Um, and in terms of airtight, you, your third point, you know, on the different things that you look at for windows, you know, we really don't um, impact the airtightness um, because our technology is, um, is, is essentially a coating that goes right onto the surface of the glass. And then the rest of the window construction and process is the same as it is done today. So what we do is we just apply our coating um, just like the glass industry today, as I mentioned, applies these metal oxide coatings. Of course, we have a different way of doing it so that we can create a transparent solar energy you know, generating device right on the surface of the glass. But then the rest of the manufacturing process, supply chain process, exactly the same. It still gets made into a window that's framed and then glazed, whether that's into a you know residential building or a commercial building. And so you know, from that standpoint, we don't really, you know, improve, I would say that air tightness or the, or that quality, but we don't take away or detract from it either. And so, you know, when you look at those three metrics, we think we're making a really positive impact to the glazing ratio and the insulation performance. And then the air tightness is the air tightness that exists, you know, today, we believe that, you know, this is a really good solution. So speaking of developers, designers, architects, you know, so much of what they have to do is driven by CapEx, ROI. How are you enrolling them to, you know, be on board for a solution like yours? Yeah, really good question. Um, you know, it's, uh, um, you know, one thing I'll say up front, it's not easy, right? Um, for, for different folks, they have different, uh, different thoughts and, and different wants, right? So for some developers, you know, their main focus is to get the building built as fast as they can so they can go and and sell it, right? Um, and so for them, they're not really concerned about the ongoing kind of operational cost, if you will, you know, from a building maintenance standpoint. So for them, you, you know, the challenge is even harder to prove to them that there's enough value by adopting our technology or window products with our technology that it's going to be worth their while. However, what they're starting to understand now is that by incorporating, you know, technologies like ours into the building itself, they're able to reap some benefits. And so, you know, certain things like, you know, by meeting certain energy efficient codes, whether it's, you know, a building or regular regulatory mandated 
kind of thing that minimum they have to meet or need. You know, you know, we obviously help with that. But but then on the other side of things, in terms of a marketability of the building, um, in terms of you know the energy general energy performance, you know, by uh, different accreditation, right? So things like you know lead performance, um, and so you know I pick on lead because that's that's the most well known and most thought of kind of building energy um, kind of metric or, or or rating system, right? And so you know by using our technology alone, we can really help buildings go from a certain level of lead performance or accreditation to the next level. And it can have a really big impact um, for the building owner, even if they're going to you know, develop it and then sell the building, because with a higher performing lead building, you're able to attract a higher you know, financial return for that developer for selling that building, right? For building such a high performing building. Um, and then on the other hand, um, from a long-term ownership standpoint, Obviously, we're reducing the amount of energy consumption you need. We're, you know, creating and harnessing renewable energy right at the building site, which is going to start getting, we believe, built into the code. That's going to mandate that, you know, you're going to have to have certain renewable energy technologies on site. And it's really difficult to employ or deploy traditional renewable energy technologies into most buildings uh, because of either aesthetics or space concerns. And so, again, you know, People want glass and people want more windows. So we're not asking for any more, you know, physical real estate on the building to employ our technology. And then finally, for the value for the, you know, developer or building owner that's going to keep their building long term, it's in the higher rent, it's in the higher lease amounts, right? Um, more and more, and studies are showing this, building or, or sorry, excuse me, companies and people are starting to look at buildings and select, you know, where they're going to live or where they're going to work in terms of uh, the building energy performance or energy efficiency, right? So if all things are equal, are you more likely to want to live and work in a building that's higher rated in terms of its energy performance versus one that's not? And so what we're seeing and what a lot of real estate companies are putting out some studies showing that with higher energy performing buildings and higher lead accreditation, the building owners are actually able to attract and keep much higher rent and lease rates, which obviously is a direct financial impact positively back to the developer or building owner that's again making that making that decision of you know whether to you know use this kind of window products that have these technologies or not. Now you mentioned financial impact. I'm not going to hold you to it, but what is the difference in price between let's just call it a regular window and one of your products? Yeah, really good question, Raj. And yeah, it's a really important one. Um, you know, from our perspective, again, we're looking at this from a global and, you know, big mission, big vision perspective. So we don't have ambitions for this to be, you know, your uh, kind of like the Cadillac type of window, right? That only a certain select people can afford or certain buildings can afford. You know, we want this technology to be widely available. We want it to be ubiquitous. We want it to be ubiquitous. Exactly right. Yeah, you, <laughs> you stole my line there. No, no, but no, but honestly, you know, we don't want this to be so expensive that it's not going to be adopted, right? So we want this to be as close to either on par or just above par as a traditional window. And, you know, we're not out there yet, um, but we're going to be there soon, you, you know, manufacturing our products or window products with our technology. Um, and so we want to hit a price point that's or a cost uh, from a cost perspective, that's a marginal in incremental uh, addition to what you get with traditional windows. And you know the number, the range that we're in is about twenty to thirty percent premium versus your traditional window. 
And we have all types of analysis that we've done internally and with consultants and with accredited institutions um, from a third-party perspective to show the kind of a financial analysis, if you were, all the ROI or the payback, right, by incorporating our technology at that 20 to 30% premium versus traditional windows or traditional products and what kind of impact not only does that have from an energy efficiency standpoint and generation standpoint, but as an ongoing kind of savings. Um, and it's and it's quite dramatic. Uh, um, it's quite compelling. 20 to 30% doesn't sound bad at all considering the ROI on the energy you can capture on the other end. That's exactly right. And so, you, you know, oftentimes we get, we get into, you know, discussions around with some people, oh, isn't it just better for me to put, you know, traditional solar panels out in my car parking lot or on my rooftop because, you know, it's, it's pretty cheap, you know, it's coming from China, the, the, you know, the price of the materials have come down. And so, you know, we don't disagree that, you know, you should do that. You know, our, our take is that, you know, our technology is here not to replace traditional technologies like, you know, silicon panels and, and other material that are, you know, your traditional solar panels. We're here to help, right? We're here to, we see ourselves as being a complement potentially to these technologies. And so, you know, what we always say kind of simply is if you like traditional technologies, like traditional solar technologies, and you have areas you can put them in without, you know, meeting without it disrupting what your requirements are, whether it be from a financial perspective or aesthetic perspective, go do it. But if you have windows in your structure anywhere, why not use our windows? Because by using both, you know, you're, get, you're going to just get much better performance out of it as a combination. Well, you might be unknowingly helping my marriage. The number one reason we don't <laughs> have solar panels is because my wife says when they make them prettier, I'll get them. Yeah, that's, that, that's exactly right. Uh, my, wife is not, my wife is exactly the same way, Raj, to be quite honest. <laughs> and, 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 you know, that's the thing that when you look at companies like, you know, Apple and Tesla, and you look at what they're doing, right? They didn't really develop all of these technologies, right? They figured out a way to integrate them, put them together in a package that's really compelling for people to use, right? Before the iPhone, we didn't know we needed an iPhone, right? Um, and Tesla basically just came along and said, look, we can make batteries efficient and we can make what people want. Um, we can make a nice looking car. Now they're getting to a price point that's a little bit more mass adoptable, but you know that's what they did. They didn't develop batteries they didn't develop the idea of electric vehicle, right? And so, similarly, you know, that's that's kind of that, that's kind of how we're seeing ourselves. You know, we kind of want to see ourselves as this kind of category leader, right? You know, we're building new a next generation, new type of uh, generation window that hopefully doesn't give you any trade off. You know, it only gives you benefits. And so, when we think about that again, the aesthetics is a big deal. Um, and you know, a, a personal note is you know. We're uh, doing some renovation at, at our at our home, and I've been wanting to forever put up solar panels. You know, I think I really believe in the technology. You know, I want to be more energy efficient. I can't get my wife to agree <laughs> on the aesthetic. And no matter what I do, the the only thing that I was able to show her is the Tesla solar roof, and that is still questionable, right? So, um, but windows, she loves windows. And I've showed her what we're developing and she's seen it. And, you know, we've done a number of installations around the country and around the world now that people can actually go and see our windows. And you can see they look like traditional windows, but they're actually, you know, transparent solar panels. And we think that's really been the missing key um, for adopting wide scale, um, you know, solar technologies onto vertical surfaces 
of not only buildings, but also automotive as well. Well, when you get your windows in, send me photographs so I can get mine in too. Yeah, we'll do. <laughs> so you mentioned earlier, you've been with the company six years. Looking at your background, it seems like you'd be spoiled for choice for places to work. What's your why? What drove you to join Ubiquitous Energy and join the mission? You know, to be quite honest, and this is a little bit of a story, um, when Ubiquitous Energy uh, was reaching out to me, you know, I was, you know, I'm always, I'm, I'm always of the mind that I never shut down any conversation. You never know what's going to lead to what. And, you know, just let's see, let's see how things play out. And so I'm always open to having new discussions, new conversations about literally almost any topic. And so, you know, I was talking with them for a while and I said, look, I'm really happy with what I'm doing. Um, I think I'm making a pretty big impact of the company I am, pre- uh, the previous company I was at. And so, you know, I was really happy. And so I had no motivation or no reason to leave. So they were pretty persistent and, you, you know, they, they made some compelling rationale for me to just just come stop by. We know your commute to work. We know from our discussions where you live, where your office is now. Just stop by for 15, 10 minutes, right? And just just see what we're doing and, and see uh, and meet some of our people. And boy, am I glad I did, right? As soon as I, as soon as I met the team um, and a couple of the founders um, who are still with the company, immediately I was just like, okay, I know exactly <laughs> why I need to be here. Um, and really it was, to me, it was seeing this technology that was incubated at a university like MIT, just starting to get its feet out into, you know, the re- what I call the real world out of academia, but then still early enough to really needing a lot of direction and a lot of figuring out of how can we actually deploy this technology, you know, on a commercial level. And so, you know, that's something that I, that I was doing at my previous company where there, you know, we developed some novel display technology that made, you know, displays much more energy efficient, you know, like what we have today in terms of, you know, TVs and phones and laptop screens and all this stuff. And so I really enjoyed that path of taking a technology and seeing it from an academic setting, getting it into uh, out of academia, for the most part, transitioning it into trying to make a business out of it. And so I really enjoyed that journey, if you will, from kind of lab to market. And so with any new hard technology or material science or chemistry related technology, it doesn't happen overnight. You you know, that's the one downside I will say, you know, especially living where I live here in the Silicon Valley in the Bay Area, you know, software successes seemingly seem like they happen overnight. Material science and chemistry successes don't happen overnight. They oftentimes take several years to decades, right? And so I did see that path and commercial, you know, successfully at the previous companies that I was at, like I said, and I saw the same thing potentially opportunity at Ubiquitous Energy, but in a different field. And, you know, becoming a little bit more conscious with the times around climate change and impact of, you know, what we can do, I really felt strongly about, you know, deploying more solar technology um, around the world. And, you know, it was a novel concept that I never even really knew was possible, to be quite honest, to, you know, I kind of thought like, hey, this must be some kind of, you know, whacked out, you know, science experiment that somebody thought up in a lab <laughs> at MIT one day, and but they're never going to be able to do it, right? Um, it sounded too good to be true. And the more I dug into it, the more I just got enamored and was like, okay, I got to be part of this. I got to be part of this, this journey to get this technology out to the market, because I believed in it so much. Um, so I just wanted to be, you know, part of that journey and, you know, provide my, my background and expertise 
in any way that I could to, to kind of help it make it into a reality. Why do you feel strongly about seeing solar energy deployed around the world? Well, yeah, it's a really good question. I mean, it's there's there's number of things I could throw at you, but you know, one thing I I throw at you is you know all of our energy consumption, you know, all fossil fuel, all this stuff, it could be completely eliminated if we had just mass deployment of solar technology, right? There's so there's every day at any given time. I I, I might get the stat wrong, but it's mind boggling. There's enough energy from the sun that's hitting the surface of the earth literally at any time to power our whole global society, I think a hundred times more than we need to. So, you know, you might've heard of things like, well, if we just built, you know, this solar array somewhere out in the desert that covered like the state of, you know, Arizona, Nevada, we could literally drive, you know, all of our energy needs. And so to me, it's like, it's mind boggling that we have technology like this and that it's not so widely deployed yet, right? And it's not used everywhere, right? And so when you start to dig into it, you start to understand, well, yeah, people don't really like the way, you know, for their home, solar, traditional solar looks, they don't want to put it on the roof. You know, they want to put it out somewhere in a, in a field or in a farm where, you know, it can't be seen. Well, then you got to kind of distribute that. You got to, you got to route that energy, right? And so, you know, you're, it, it's like you're trying to do something good, but then you're creating hurdles to, to make it happen, right? And so I really believe in the just general technology of solar, but it's got to be deployed more broadly. It's got to be everywhere, you know, and that's, and that's really what's behind, you know, our mission and our vision is to really deploy this technology everywhere so that, you know, globally, again, globally from an equity standpoint, not just for a select few or a select building or, or anything like that, but everybody should be able to use technology like this to make, you know, their lives better, reduce their reliance on on energy, either from the grid or fossil fuels or things that are not, you know, environmentally fl- friendly or clean, but they should be able to do it, you know, on their own, right? We should have buildings that are powering themselves, have enough energy so that they could distribute energy if needed to adjacent buildings or things like this, right? Our home should be built in a way that's powering itself, just like electric vehicles now are powering themselves, right? Um, of course, you have to have the other infrastructure around in terms of energy storage and batteries and things like this, but we are more than capable of developing an ecosystem and society that's completely runoff, runoff, renewable and clean energy. And so, you know, I do strongly believe in that, you know, not to go down the whole rabbit hole of climate change and the impact it's having. I think unless you've been living in a box, I don't think anybody can deny this anymore. And it's happening much more rapidly than, you know, experts have been thinking about and modeling. And so, you know, the time is now, right, for us to do things like our technology and and a host of others, right, to help us reach our global, you know, goal of getting to that, you know, net zero and positive energy from renewable and clean energy alone. I agree. Now, earlier you mentioned the path to commercialization. What are a couple of hurdles or challenges that you've experienced on this path? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, there's so many, right? Um, and, and I think with um, with every industry or or industrial sector, it could be quite different. I'll give you our, I'll give you my perspective from you know trying to crack into what I would call the glazing glass slash window industry. Um, you know, it's it's generally part of the building materials industry, right? So materials that go into construction for building, whether it's a new home, new school, a new building, a new office park, whatever it may be, right? So Think about it from that perspective, building materials, right? There's cement, 
there's concrete, there's glass, there's other materials, there's roofing, you know, all this stuff, right? So this industrial sector in general, if you think about it from that perspective, like building materials is what I would consider for coming from my perspective, again, more from a advanced technology, Silicon Valley kind of type person hat. It's really risk averse and really slow to adopt to new things and to change. And so that's, that's obviously a big challenge for a company like ours and a technologies like ours to get adopted into that ecosystem and supply chain that has been built over such a long time that, you know, they have the, not only the feeling and the belief, but it's been proven through their historical track record. They know what they're doing. They know, you know, the ins and outs. They know the financial returns. They know the impacts. They know all the things. And they're just not willing to make a big change or a big um, risk, if that makes sense, like a bet. And so that's obviously a big challenge. And so, you know, it's really educating and working with this ecosystem so that we can integrate ourselves and work together with them. And, and really that's, that's our whole, you know, philosophical mantra of how to get this technology to the market um, is really not to be ubiquitous energy, the end all be all company that's developing the technology, developing the supply chain, manufacturing ourselves, selling it and distributing it globally ourselves, because, you know, we're not that company. We, we don't have ambitions to be that, you know, multi-billion dollar behemoth organization from an investment side just to get that to happen. And so we want to work with the industry that already exists in part because of the things that we're developing. We've been developing it from a perspective of and a philosophical development perspective of the existing industry can continue to do what they're doing, but they can easily and seamlessly hopefully integrate our technology as part of their manufacturing supply chain in a way that doesn't really require them to completely change the way they do things. And that's the way we really believe that we're going to get the fastest and most broad adoption of a technology like ours is by working with this existing ecosystem and industry that again is 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 relatively risk averse and is, you know, really slow and, and rightly, you know, from their perspective, rightly slow to adopt change because you know, they've all had some experience where they've tried to do something completely different and have gotten really, you know, negative results or bad results kind of as a result of doing so. If from our perspective, then it just makes it diffi more difficult, right, to commercialize and get it broadly adopted because we're by design wanting to work with this industry, this ecosystem, educate them on what we're doing, what we're offering, how we can provide value to them. Because at the end of the day, you know, this can't be just in it for ubiquitous energy. It's got to be in it for the whole industry and how we can positively improve not only what they're doing and have a positive impact, but then they're able to have a, a further positive offering to their supply chain, to their customers, to their distribution outlets, so that it eventually hits these end consumers, whether it's me and you buying new windows for our home or whether it's for you know the next company moving in and building a new building um, in an office park so that they're able to understand what the options and availability are and how much of an impact they can make. Because, um, you, you know, one thing I'll be honest, Raj, when I talk to a lot of people about specifically about, you know, energy efficiency, climate change, and what can we do to offset, you know, carbon emissions? Um, a lot of times I hear people say, you know, I don't know what I can do, you know, me as one person in the whole world, what choice can I make? You know, what kind of impact can I have really on, you know, global carbon emissions? Well, there's a lot of things you can do, right? Um, it's, it's, it's making choices like, you know, adopting new technologies that are more energy efficient. 
you know, it's instead of having traditional windows, have windows like ours that create renewable energy just by making that small choice yourself as an aggregate when more and more people do this, right? It's it's an economies of scale kind of factor that starts to happen, right? It exponentially um, starts to go. And so every every single person um, that, you know, has a decision-making power, I would say, right? Whether that's your wife or whether that's you for new windows or solar panels for your home or whatever, right? Everybody can make conscious decisions that are going to impact carbon emissions, you, you know, which again, then impacts, you know, climate change and all these kind of things. So um, that's what's really, you know, as you can tell, pa- I'm passionate about it and really exciting for, you know, what we're doing and really motivates us to to really, you know, keep going and, and uh, you know, get this out there um, as quickly and as widely as we can. I can absolutely tell your passion. And you mentioned impact. Let's move into the future. It's 2030. If Forbes or Business Week were to write the headline about ubiquitous energy, what would you like it to read? I would like it to, it's a really good question. Um, <laughs> by 2030, I would like it to read that, you know, ubiquitous energy is leading the wave for integration of renewable energy technology across the board and hopefully showing the impact that it's made for, you know, buildings, for windows, for homes and commercial buildings, automotive for sure by then. But then also, I, I think from a sustainable, you know, supply chain side in terms of water and food, you know, that's an area that, you know, we believe we can make an impact on. And, you know, those are resources that we're going to have to come up with sustainable ways to to make sure are still there, you know, for our generation, our kids' generation and future generations. So I think I think in short, a headline would be, you know, ubiquitous energy is is helping pave that path for just global sustainability, you know, across the board. Sounds like a beautiful vision. Now, my last question, and we kind of started out with advice with the Dale Carnegie and the confidence, etc. But if you could share some advice or words of wisdom, recommendations with the audience, and it could be professional or personal, what would it be? You know, one thing I would really implore people to do is, you know, educate yourselves and and just seek um, seek out things that you don't know, or just seek out, you know, new conversations with people you might not normally talk to, um, you, know, you know, it's a big Silicon Valley and team building and creative innovation thing, right? To get different people from different backgrounds in a room to create something, right? And that's where studies have shown a lot of innovation happens. And you know, that's one thing that I think has been somewhat missing uh, since the pandemic has hit. Is you know, we've all kind of been re- for the most part, you know, been regulated to video conferencing, you know, zooming. Um, things like that, telecommuting, all this kind of stuff, right? Um, and I think it's really important that we kind of keep keep the other perspective and keep this other side that hopefully it's not always going to be this way. You know, we are able to get back in person together, you know, as it makes sense and just, you know, foster that innovation, that creativity, because that's really what's going to lead to solutions that still haven't been thought of for the problems we still have, right? And so I would... Um, you know, my one piece of advice is is just implore people to educate yourself, and you know, either by doing your own research or talk to people that you might normally talk to. Right? Um, I always find it pretty fascinating, and all, you're always able to take away something positive or learning from talking to people from different backgrounds. Right? Whether that be from a different discipline, whether it be you know, an attorney or investment banker or a technologist or an accountant. Um, you know, there's always something that you can learn because. Obviously, people have their different perspectives 
on what they know, what they've seen when they're talking about any particular topic or issue. And so, again, a little bit selfish here, but education and awareness is, is really important, I believe, especially with new things, you know, new technology, new way of doing things. And oftentimes it's uncomfortable for a lot of people, you know, change is uncomfortable, but that education and awareness that, you know, the the intent behind some of these things is really positive. It, it, it's not negative at all. And it's it's getting people to understand each other, right? Um, and so I, I that would be my one piece of advice, you know, explore, um, talk to people, um, reach out, you know, because oftentimes people are more than willing to help talk about things and, and help people out. Um, and so that's, you know, that's definitely one piece of advice, you know, you know, I would, I would suggest, uh, you know, Raj, uh, the audience to, 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 to really take to heart, um, especially, especially in the kind of environment we live in now, I know it's a lot harder to do, but you know, we still have cell phones, we still have phones, people still pick them up, people still talk to each other on the phone, it doesn't even have to be over a video conference, right? So, I would really encourage uh, people to do that. Viral, I think talk to people is a great place to leave off. I look forward to continue to watch your journey with ubiquitous energy and look forward to catching up with you again soon. Yeah, thank you, Raj. And and I really enjoyed uh, the conversation today and especially for having me on and taking the time. Uh, I, I had a great time and, 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 I hope you're, and I hope you stay well and safe. Thank you, Viral. Thank you for listening. If you like our show, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. And you can show your support by sharing our show with a friend or reach out to us on social media where you'll find us under our Nexus PMG handle. If there's a subject or topic you'd like to hear about, send me an email, btu at nexuspmg.com or contact me via our website, nexuspmg.com. And while you're there, you can sign up for our monthly newsletter where we share what we're reading and thinking about in the clean tech green tech sectors. Bigger Than Us is a Nexus PMG production.